Hello? Who's there? Aoi, <laughs> Naina. Who's your mom? Egua, who's your dad? Oh. <laughs> Welcome to Two Crees in a Pod. I biggest Nitsigasun, Ginekoma My name is Amber Dion and I'm from the Kihiwan Cree Nation right here in Treaty 6 territory. I'm a mother, I'm a social worker, and I'm also an assistant professor with McEwen University School of Social Work, and I am joined by my lovely co-host. Hey, hey! <laughs> My English name is Terry Sengens. I'm from Sally Cree Nation, and I am the Director of Indigenous Initiatives in Keo Weston at McEwen University. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to the conversations. Good morning. Good morning, Gladys. Um, I want to welcome everyone to episode nine of Two Crees in a Pod. Uh, we want to ensure that we recognize that this episode is in connection to Sexual Violence uh, Prevention and Awareness Week at McEwen University. Um, and we're really excited to have Gladys Reddick join us today. Uh, Gladys um, has uh, been a longtime uh, grassroots activist for missing and murdered Indigenous women. And uh, Gladys, we want to ensure that we give you the space to introduce yourself in whichever way that you would like to. Thank you. My name is Gladys Raddick, and I am a uh, activist for the Missing and Murdered Women for 15 years. I'm a family member first. Uh, my niece, Marilyn Chipman, disappeared from the Highway of Tears on September 21st, 2005, 15 years last Monday that she disappeared and she remains missing. And uh, I just, uh, when she disappeared, I just started... Uh, doing a lot of footwork, needless to say, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and uh, organized walks in and throughout the country to raise awareness about the MMIWG and uh, started fighting for our national public inquiry, which we got a couple of years ago. And now it's my job to uh, push the government to... Uh, implement all the uh, 231 recommendations for the calls to justice. Right, right. And so I want to, so one of the questions that we were going to ask you was about what has inspired you to do the work that you're doing. And, and you've, you've mentioned um, uh, some of that in your introduction with uh, your niece, Tamara. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I want to, let's, let's go there. Uh, Gladys, let's go there in regards to political uh, involvement. Let's go there in regards to what's currently happening. Um, and, you know, when we talk about these 231 recommendations from the inquiry, you know, where are we at with that, Gladys? Well, right now they're sitting at the uh, they're sitting at the parliament steps and uh, the government is now withholding because they're they're claiming that they're doing a consultation and the consultations already been done by particularly the family members who put those 231 calls to justice together. All of the recommendations are common sense and all of the uh, recommendations, as you know, uh, um, forced Canada to uh, spit out the, uh, the big G word, genocide. And uh, this is what we tried to prove right at, right at the get-go get of us uh, doing our walks. We talked about it and 
obviously through our walks, we proved it because they did use that particular word in the recommendation. So we proved what we were saying was correct. Right. Right. And, and I think that that's, and I, and I'm so appreciative of you saying that, uh, Gladys, because I think about, you know, how many walks uh, from my research, it looks like you've organized at least seven walks from BC to Ottawa. Is that correct? Uh, no, not just BC to Ottawa. We walked from uh, Walk for Justice 2008. We walked from Vancouver to Ottawa. 2009, we walked from uh, Vancouver to Prince Rupert, BC. 2010, we walked from uh, Kamloops to Winnipeg to complete the Highway of Tears, Highway 16. And 2011, we walked from Vancouver to Ottawa again. Uh, 2013, we walked from uh, Member 2, Nova Scotia to Prince Rupert, BC. And previous to those walks, we also walked the Highway of Tears uh, back in 2006 that was organized by my first cousin, Florence Nizel. That's what set the templates for our walks. And like you said, that's an incredible amount of footwork. Yes. Do you, do you want to share with our listeners, uh, maybe who don't have an understanding of uh, the Highway of Tears specifically, or even just what MMIWG, um, what, what the uh, background is? Do you want to share with our listeners a little bit about that, Gladys? Sure. The Highway of Tears is a stretch of highway between uh, Prince Rupert and Prince George, B.C., was named by uh, by family members up here in the north who have got plenty of uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women from our communities that are all unaccounted for. There's, uh, um, there's a big discrepancy in the numbers from the RCMP to our lists as family members and uh, they're, the the majority of the cases of the RCMP, they're claiming 18, um, but only three of those cases have been solved in the last 30 years. Hmm. So, and there's, there, uh, I moved back home here uh, about five years ago, and since then we've had the murder of Jessica Patrick, we've had uh, Cynthia Martin go missing, Francis Brown gone missing, and as of late, from my community, we have an elder gentleman who's 79 years old, was out mushroom picking, and he remains missing. They've got a search party for him right now. Oh. Up here, it's not just uh, women and girls that are going missing. It's also our young men and boys. Yeah. Nobody's talking yeah. about it. And it's time that we started open the door. There's something going on up north here and nobody seems to want to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and, and I would say that, I mean, you are, <laughs> I mean, you, you and, and, and family members and, you know, the people who are doing the footwork and the groundwork, the grassroots work, you are doing something to raise awareness. And it's, it's loud for many of us in our communities uh, that's loud and it's and as it should be mm -hmm. and I think about you know I think about some of the the women that I know I mean my late sister 
um, she would, she would have spurts of going missing. Do you know what I mean? Like she would go missing for periods of time where we didn't know where she was and we didn't know we had, we didn't hear from her. And, um, and then she'd come home and then we'd hear the atrocities that she had to endure while she was out, out there. Mm-hmm. And so I think about even our, our women and our girls and our boys and our men and our two spirit folks who go missing for periods of time and they come home. And, uh, and, and I also honor and recognize that we have a lot of that in our communities as well. And it's an epidemic. It's an absolute epidemic. Yeah. And we do need to start talking about it a lot more um, at, at, at that government level. Yes. And, you know, that's, that's the thing. You know, I have also four daughters. And I have one daughter that's out on that road right now uh, where I don't know where she's staying. I know she's in Terrace, but I don't know where she's staying. I, I, uh, have, I hear tidbits and everything, but it's worrisome. But, it's, you know, when, when somebody says, oh, yeah, I just saw her, well, then that makes me feel better. But I also worry on the other end about the cops because they don't like her. Hmm. So, you know. <laughs> it's it's yeah. really it's really worrisome especially when you got four daughters and I've got five grand girl girl babies you know so I worry about my kids and my grandkids all the time and what kind of future they're going to have because of the uh, atrocities and the tragedies that have been happening to us all these years and uh, it worries me too because I also have a one granddaughter that has black genes so, you know, she looks black and, and First Nations, but mostly black. And it worries me, especially since uh, since the, that incident in the States. Yeah. 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 And thank you for for sharing that. Amber and I uh, also have daughters. And so, you know, a lot of the work that we do um, is for our children. And, you know, it's always disconcerting when we we know these stories and we've heard these stories within our communities. Yeah, Um, they happen everywhere. And again, you know, the fear that we have as mothers for our indigenous daughters um, and the safety um, that we have to ensure um, seems like it's a lot more than any other. Uh, well, for instance, for a, a white family, yeah, right, yeah, and and this is the thing is that how do we like it's Orange Shirt Day today, and uh, and you know I was so proud this morning. My daughter, who's ten, you know, came into my room and she was like, "Mom, can you braid my hair?" And I was like, "Yes, I'll braid your hair today." And she said, "Can I wear my ribbon skirt to school?" And I'm like, "Absolutely!" Aww. And I took a picture of her. And I sent it to my dad, who's a, a residential school survivor. And I, I sent it to him. And I said, look at her, you know, how she's dressed today, Aww. you know, and how she could go to school and be proud of who she is as an Indigenous woman. Um, and, you know, and then there's things like the the recent um, happening with Justice for Joyce in the last couple of days, where a 37-year-old woman uh, died who was a mother to seven children in the hospital and the hospital staff where she was recording the hospital staff and they were uh, 
being racist and saying things such as like you're only good for sex or that she was better off dead and then she she died hours later and you know I remember reading that article when it first came out and I couldn't even finish reading it because I was just so hurt and I was so angry and I was just like man like how do we you know we continue doing this work um as indigenous women we continue doing this work so that we have and try and create this better place for our children and then there's shit like this that happens and you're like what the what what do we do like and and I guess you know what what are our allies doing too right now how are they you know this is the time where allies need to step up as well and and speak up for us and support us when you know we often hear that yeah racism racism isn't here or you know yeah it's not real or or no I'm not racist when when clearly it's it's something that we experience day to day yeah one of my one of my biggest pet peeves when when people say oh I'm not racist I've got a native friend that's oh (laughs) that drives me up the wall <laughs> you know, yeah, but uh, it's racism is a really tough pill to swallow because uh, think about it. We, you know, our our con our uh, uh, what do they call those? The colonizers have been here for over five hundred years, and how do you eliminate it overnight? Yeah, and I think this this is another reason that I agreed to do with uh, uh, an interview with you is because you're uh, in the education field, and that's where it's going to start is in the education field where we have mm-hmm. to teach about racism. We have to, uh, you know, we have to um, we have to hit it right in the head and and yeah. just say no more. But is it going to be this generation? I don't think so but we have to work for our future generations. I'm just on a conference call right now. Okay. 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 Yeah. So we, we do have to, uh, you know, get people to acknowledge it first, you know, and, and that's what we wanted also the government to do was to acknowledge, yes, this is happening. And they did. By using that big G word again, like I said in the uh, calls to justice and the uh, National Inquiry. And it was proven over and over by sharing all of our family's stories that racism is alive and well. And we've been saying this for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, This isn't new information. Um it, it's not new information. And I, and I think that, again, I think about the voices of our people who have been pounding tables, flipping tables, walking, running, dancing, yeah. doing whatever they possibly can with megaphones to be heard. And so I, I think a question I have for you then, Gladys, is, you know, what what are your hopes for the next steps? What would you like to see happen next? I think my my focus right now, again, goes to the recommendations. And what, what I would like to see, first of all, uh, the first thing that I would like to see is I would like to see health, healing, and wellness centers built, not just in the major hubs. Uh, out here in BC, we don't need a health, you know, like we do need health, healing, and wellness centers in the hubs, yes, but they do have some. The thing that 
I'm getting from those recommendations and from me moving back home here where we're like six hours from Prince George, one of the major hubs for health, healing and wellness, that six hour drive uh, right now, our women, our girls, our youth, our young men, our young boys and uh, men are um, drowning themselves in drugs again. This is a this is an ep epidemic that is reaching right across the country, and we cannot possibly uh, move forward if we've got so many people that are uh, that are addicted to drugs and alcohol. We need proper health, healing, and wellness centers right across the nation. We need one in Terrace here. We need one in Prince Rupert. We need one in every community across the country. Mm -hmm. Because we need to, we need to, uh, we need to bring our kids back, and that's what's happening with our kids right now. And uh, scares me when the kids are going back to school now. I've got a 14-year-old granddaughter, and I just know what the pressure is like for her in school and to say no to drugs. She knows that, but we don't know if somebody's going to slip something into her pop or whatever it is. We don't know. And and I think that. And so I'm, I'm, I love that. I love hearing that there is this desire and this need for health, healing and wellness centers across our country, because I think that we have the dollars for that. If we can invest uh, billions of dollars into COVID funding, then we can invest billions of dollars into health, healing and wellness across our nation. Yes. And I think that. And I think that one of the things I would add is that if we really want to, because this has been this has been on my mind and in my heart for many, many years as a social worker working in my home community with people who uh, are, who are suffering um, with uh, dependencies on drugs or alcohol and, and numbing their trauma and trying their best to to live in their chronic pain. And I think about even today on Orange Shirt Day and I think about the the amount of sexual abuse that exists in our communities and how sexual abuse is not something that we that we um, necessarily feel we can talk about in our communities because many times our perpetrators are people that we know. And so I think about, um, you know, addressing, you know, when we look at health, healing and wellness, we need to address sexual abuse and sexual violence. Yeah. We, that's that has to be there. We we can continue to advocate for you know dry communities where there's no drugs, no alcohol, etc. But we also need to ensure that there's you know health, healing, and wellness for our perpetrators and for their victims. And that's I right. think that that's so so important. They and it's got to be full. Exactly, and the thing. Is Having uh, uh, health, healing, and wellness centers in in here, like I say, up in the north here, be easier to to uh, to help the ones that are drugged out, such as my dog. Nothing available. Sixteen beds of Prince. We may have lost Gladys for a moment. Gladys, are you there? We're just going to leave the space here to see if she returns to the call. 
And to um, while we wait for Gladys to come back, uh, what I heard Gladys talk about was that there was only 16 beds available um, in a very large, sounds like a very large geographical space. And those 16 beds cannot possibly meet the needs that exist um, for drug and alcohol treatment, for health and healing and wellness. Uh, 16 beds is not going to fill the need. Um, and there is, from my experience, um, there is a very long wait time uh, for um, drug and alcohol treatment. And uh, not only that, but funding also uh, plays a huge piece in that where a person can only be uh, funded um, uh, once uh, and then when, if and, if and when they decide to leave a treatment facility or if they're kicked out for, you know, quote unquote, breaking any rules, there's another wait time associated with it. So oftentimes this mm -hmm. is where we see we lose people, you yeah. know, when we, when we do that. And for you and I, Terry, knowing that, healing and trauma management there's no timeline on that no. there's no timeline on that and uh and and i think this is where we run into some problems where we start seeing funding um being an issue uh it doesn't look it looks like we may have lost gladys uh gladys can you hear us it says that Gladys is connected. Sometimes this is what happens, folks. <laughs> Sometimes this is what happens. Uh, you know, when we are, um, you know, um, anchoring people in from other parts of our country, uh, depending on their the service or depending on uh, where they're at, uh, this can happen sometimes. And so we honor and recognize the fact that Gladys... Oh, Gladys, are you there? Yeah. Oh, yay, we got you back. <laughs> me and yeah, Terry, I'm here me now. And Terry, we're just. Oh, it's okay. It's mm -hmm. all right. Me and Terry filled up some space. I don't know what happened. Uh, yeah. One of the things we were talking about was just about how you were. The last thing we heard you say was that there was only 16 beds available. And so we talked about how that is. Um... Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're considering like 16 beds between Prince Rupert and Prince George. You know, that's that's a long stretch of highway. That's over 700 kilometers yeah. and there's several communities yeah. in between Gladys, and none of those communities are getting help. Listeners, a little bit about Voices of Witness and what that is. Voices of Witnesses, uh, it's a group of uh, uh, people down in uh, mm -hmm. San Diego that asked me to uh, join them uh, a couple of years ago. And what we're doing is we're, uh, we, we, we've been working on a book and it's called How We Go Home. Uh, oh. That book is going to be launched on October the 6th uh, next week. And uh, yeah, we it's uh, basically it's a collaboration yes. of the United October States and Canada and what's going on with the MMIWG. As so, you know, Gladys, as we wrap, yeah, October uh, 6th is the um, release. Yeah. And I just want to leave some space as well for you. Um, if you have any other last words for our listeners or if you want to share with us and our listeners about what people can do to assist in this work. 
Um, that would be great. There's a couple of things, like I say, I've been working on uh, since the walks. I'm getting too old for them. So I'm also working with this other organization here in Canada, and they're called uh, Legacy of Hope Foundation. Okay. And uh, we are going to be doing uh, we're going to be doing an exhibit mm -hmm. that uh, that marks the trail of the MMIWG, and uh, that's supposed to be coming around. Uh, okay. It's called uh, Wana, I can never pronounce yeah. the name Wanaska Tan Project. It's called. And yeah, and so I'm I'm uh, I work with them as well uh usually uh virtual and uh we also as you know just had a uh, totem pole raising what we did was we raised a totem pole for the mmiwg yes. in the kitsum kalem territory just outside of terrace and uh it's uh you know mm -hmm. like the work that we do as as grassroots activists is never done it's uh you know everything I do is is uh, volunteer, and uh, because somebody's got to keep that awareness out there, and like I said that at this pivotal moment in time, I think it's our job to uh, force the government's hand mm -hmm. and have them in implement those two hundred and thirty one calls to justice. Yeah. I really, really want to see them. I'm tired of sitting on my thumbs waiting for that to happen. That's what we walked yeah. for. That's what we need. Yeah. And yeah, health, healing, and that. wellness is and number one. And I think that one. Terry and I, um, if we think about uh, the roles that we carry here at McEwen, uh, we will ensure, and obviously with this podcast, that your voice is going to be heard, Gladys, uh, uh, from our audience, and that uh, we will ensure that the work that you do is talked about uh, in our classrooms and uh, and in our spaces here at McEwen University in Edmonton. And so we thank you so much, Gladys, for the work that you have done and uh, for the sacrifices and uh, that you have made on behalf of all of us. Mm -hmm. um, because that's what I see it as, is you've done that work on behalf of our girls, me and Terry's daughters. Mm -hmm. And so we thank you for that. And, uh, and we, we hope that you are safe yeah. and well on your travels yeah. and that, uh, and that wherever you, you know, it, maybe if you're not the one walking anymore, <laughs> that the, that the folks, Amber, Amber will go walk. I'm going to walk. Um, <laughs> Well, to be honest with you, my 14-year-old granddaughter wants to, uh, she wants me to help oh, her organize nice. a, a, a right thing on. for the youth, and she wants to cycle. Yeah. She's been, she's been talking about it with me since she was 10, and uh, I think uh, she's just met one of my, one of my allies right that on. came up for the totem pole raising, and uh, they're going to work it, and she's going to do it. I know she is. I know she is. And, and uh, the thing is, you know, the yep. more awareness that we can keep out there, because, you know, these are the kids now that we have to think about. This is your kids. This is your mm -hmm. grandkids. This mm -hmm. is your, you know, mm -hmm. I don't want to see any of those mm -hmm. faces on my I car anymore. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. You know, thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for joining us today yeah. it was such a pleasure so, to to hear your voice okay. and to hear your yeah. stories and 
And, uh, and we look forward to uh, potentially working with you in the future as well, Gladys. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, Gladys. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you, you too. too. Thank you very much. Two crees in a pod. Two crees in a pod. Natani means. Yeah. Let's go. They pushed us to this point, frustrations of a common man Manifested destiny, preach and pledge the promised land I'm stuck between taking my journey, live with no honor Like what's the use of my kids, can't taste clean water A child born into a world, revolution's not a choice Fighting to be heard, so we make them hear our voice Remember ancestors, anguish, lightning in our veins Hear it in a language when they are kitchen for the rain I am product of people that persevere, persecution Paint me so creator sees me, if I go out shooting Experience our pain, when our women disappear daily Anxious to be angry, pacifists might hate me Trolls on the internet constantly trying to bait me We move in silence, cover of the night Learning from the wolves in the forest Tracking enemies in the woods Reincarnations of warriors riding for salvation Or are we false prophets when we submit to temptation? Colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said Two Crees in a Pod.